The Beat Church in Pflugerville, Texas. Bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. Tisha Myers come up and um, Pastor Art could you bring me that microphone real quick and we're just um, believing that you know as we share testimonies you know the Bible says that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and so we're just believing as we share our testimonies that God is going to bring not just uh, an exciting story but freedom to people who need freedom hope to people who need hope and that there'll be an overcoming power that God works through us sharing our testimonies here at the church and out there in the world. Wherever we are, that God will loose our tongues so that we can be ones that set people free. Amen. You're good to go. You're ready. Hi, everybody. My name is Tisha. That is my husband, Matt. And when Pastor Andy asked me to find a photo that I could display, I immediately thought, which photo is going to embarrass my husband the most? that I still look cute in. <laughs> Just kidding. That's not how, the reason why I like that photo was because it was a it was last summer and we were on vacation, but it reminded me of a time and that's kind of what represents our marriage. Just silly, happy, lighthearted, and just having fun together and just being best friends. And I wish my testimony today was, man, all 14 years of our marriage looked like that. But the truth is that's not what it always looked like. About four to five years ago, I don't know where it changed or what happened. Matt prayed for our marriage. I prayed for our marriage. You know, we went to church and we were even trying to meet in the middle. But during that time, when Matt and I were meeting in the middle, that was us. We were not happy. You did not want to be in our household. We, uh, we would go four to five days without even speaking to each other at a time. And our conversations would look more like, hey, how are the kids doing? When are we gonna put our house on the market to sell? And how are we gonna split our assets? We were just completely done. I even had a checklist started where we argue all the time. Yep. No more intimacy. Oh, definitely got that. What about um, not in love with each other anymore? Yeah, no, got that. So the last thing on our list for my divorce checklist was, well, we got to try counseling, right? Because that's what everybody else does. So I went to Matt and I said, hey, how do you feel about counseling? And he's like, okay. But we decided at that time that we also needed to find a pastoral counselor. Because if we were gonna do it, we're gonna do it right. And um, then we found Miss Kathy, who has graciously come to witness or listen to my testimony today, because she's the blessing that God sent for us. But we went to our counseling sessions and it was a normal session, you know, everybody's talking. And then um, she said, I have homework for you. And I'm like, are you not just in our session? Now you want me to go home and talk to this man after we just brought up all this hurt and this pain? She goes, yep, here's your Bible verses. You're gonna go read your Bible verses and then you're gonna talk about it. And then when you're done talking about it, you're gonna pray about it together. But you're not just gonna pray, you're gonna get down on your knees together and you're gonna pray about it. And I was like, okay. And after the first day we did that, let me tell you, what she taught me was that it's okay to have God around your marriage, but you're not gonna thrive until you put God in your marriage. And the day that we put God in our marriage, it transformed our lives. I have my best friend back. 
have my husband back, and that's my testimony. Amen. Let's uh, thank you very much. Let's take let's take a minute and use and, and use this opportunity. Everybody, just bow your heads, close your eyes. You're in here today, and you are struggling in this area. If you're struggling in this area, okay, I'm just going to pray right now. Okay, you don't even need to raise your hand. I know sometimes you go, oh, I don't want to out my spouse or do whatever. That's, that's fine. Just bow your head. God sees your heart. Just turn your heart to the Lord right now and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help in our marriage. And if you need help with that, you know, get on the church website, email and message us. Come up and grab me, grab somebody and say, hey, I need help with this. And we'll help you get connected to really start working on that, work it through. Because it is a difference of having God around your marriage and in actually working in the middle of your marriage as a part of what's happening there. Amen. Father, I pray right now for every marriage here. God, that you will touch the lives and the hearts, Lord, of these couples. Father, that you will cause them, Lord, to have hope. Father, and hope that does not disappoint because it is the love of God shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray, God, a spirit, God, a hope, Lord, that would cause them to turn to you, Lord. God, because it's not over. Father, it's not impossible. It just needs a miracle. And you're a miracle worker. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you, worship team, coming up and playing with us. Guys, just give them a hand. What a great job. We got a few announcements to make. So I grab this. Um, one is tithes and offerings. Um, there's a blue box in the back. You can also give online. Um, we haven't been passing a bucket. Somebody asked me a, a few weeks ago. I was riding around with them, and they said, I've always wondered this about churches. I said, how do churches pay for everything? And I said, that's a good question. <laughs> Sometimes I have no idea how that happens. Um, but it's for people like you guys that give and are generous uh, with tithes and offerings and, and supply the need. And God does that through you guys. So thank you for that. And um, you can do that in the blue box. You can go online and, and give that way or go through our app and give. Um, some announcements. We have community groups on Tuesday, 6.30 is our next community group. Uh, day and that we have one at our house. Uh, the Bertels uh, also have them at their house, and uh, so and we're actually working on getting a Round Rock one here started soon. Uh, so plug in. This is a great place to come and worship, man, and to get to know each other a little bit. Community groups is smaller. There's a chance to talk and interact, and really build relationship. And so we invite you guys to do that. Growth Zone happens on Wednesday mornings. Um, I teach that. Before uh, being a pastor, I was in uh, business for like 20 years, did delis and furniture stores and all kinds of stuff. Um, and it's just our way of giving back. We believe that if God's given you a business or, or given you an idea for a business, that God can work through that as a ministry uh, to the world around you, uh, both by providing jobs, by giving you opportunity to connect with hurting people, uh, by giving you opportunities to uh, make money that can help uh, fund uh, ministry and those types of things. So we just want to give back into that. So you don't have to be a genius or have some really big business. Just come and get built up. We've got some awesome businesses that are starting to thrive there and helping each other out as well. Um, youth group is Wednesday night at 7. That happens right here at church. And that's going to be awesome. Uh, that's a pretty good crowd gathering there. And then 
Ladies' coffee is Wednesday night at 7, so if you have any youth-age kids, you can drop them off, and, and there's a coffee for ladies going on, kind of a, a Bible study sharing time that happens over in the chapel area over there. And uh, that also happens Friday mornings at 10 um, here. And I actually watch all the kids on Friday mornings at 10. We have a blast in there. Or I would say the kids watch me. <laughs> they watch me lay on the ground and go into like little convulsions as they, about 40 minutes in, and they're all like running around going wild. But we watch each other. Let's say that. Um, so that's it. If you want to volunteer, this is the last announcement. If you want to volunteer, we have lots of needs. We have needs for the kids' classes. We have needs for outreach things that are going on. We have all different types of areas that you can plug in and serve. Uh, again, just get on our website or on the app and plug in and say, hey, I want to volunteer. I want to get involved in some way. There is a place for everyone to serve. So we invite you to do that. And with that, we're going to jump in and get into the Word. So, uh, Father, we just pray right now that you will help us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit, to get everything out of this that you intend for us to get. God, we need, Lord, your power, and we need your love in our life, and we ask that you would, God, work in us, Lord, not just to hear your word, but to become doers of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we've been on a series right now, which is really demystifying the Holy Spirit, trying to take all of the, you know, just the hype out of what's the Holy Spirit, and oh, I don't know, and, you know, all these different uh, things that you hear out there um, about the Holy Spirit, because he's talked about all the time. And sometimes it's hard to even wrap our head around, well, what is the Holy Spirit? It's just a force out there, just moving, you know, kind of in the air. It's like a, a Jedi thing. Um, is it just, you know, the, the Lord's just kind of the cosmic comedian that tells jokes and gets everybody laughing all night or crying, um, you know, as he talks to them? Or, or what's the purpose of the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit? So we've been going through that. So you're welcome to go back and listen to the last couple of weeks' messages if you missed those and just kind of uh, hear where we've gotten to so far. But today we're moving to power for the powerless, which is in Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start in verse 1. He says, in my former, former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. So let's stop there for a second. It says all that he began to do before he was taken up to heaven. It didn't, doesn't say all that he did, okay? It didn't say all that he had done before he left. This is all that he began to do before he left. How many of you know that if something is started, that there's a finish, right? It started, there's a finish, okay? So he began to do something, and then he went back up to heaven, and he's not done doing something. Praise God he's not done doing something. Whatever's happening in your life right now, and you said, you know what? God started this in me, but I think maybe he's done. Maybe he left, because I'm still unfinished, but I don't feel that it's still happening. Like, maybe God left me. That's not true. That's a lie from the devil. That's what that is. He who began a good work in you, the Bible says, will be faithful to complete it. And so this is the beginning. It's not the end. Okay, God has started it. And then he went to heaven. Well, then what, how's he going to finish it? Well, if he started it and left, how's he going to finish it? Well, he started it. He left and he sent the Holy Spirit so that he could have us participate in what he's doing and carry out the work that he started. But it's still happening today. And it says, all that he began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. And after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, this is the Holy Spirit as a teacher, as one that brings us into truth, helps us to understand the word. He gave that instruction to the apostles that he had chosen. And after his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. How many of you guys have suffered through something? Suffered through something in your job, suffered through something in a relationship, through an addiction, through something mental or emotional, right? 
And how many of you sometimes, if you just got to show, I'm still alive. Amen. I'm still here. You know, sometimes that's the, that's the victory right there. I'm still alive. We had Lucas share last week that he was suicidal. He had already written a letter to his family that he was done, and he wrote the apology letter. He had it ready to give. Guess what? Lucas is still alive. Lucas right now is in one of the classrooms teaching kids. What the enemy meant to do to end someone's life, to take them out, right, was unsuccessful because of the work of the cross and that the Holy Spirit is still here, and it came into that moment with Lucas and said, no, it's not over yet, and he's still alive. God is still proving day after day, life after life, heart after heart, that he's still alive. And that should bring you hope if you're here today and you're struggling and saying, you know, I don't know, maybe there's, this, there's no hope in this, in my marriage, there's no hope in my family, there's no hope in my heart, there's no hope in this area to get free from this addiction or this struggle or this anxiety or this fear or this depression or this repetitive thoughts. So there's no hope in this area for me. You're still alive. You're still here. God is still at work. He started something. He's going to finish it. But the Holy Spirit comes in to help move people along in that direction. He's still coming in to try to bring us forward, to bring us into a place of freedom, to bring us into a place of completion. And sometimes that comes after a lot of suffering. It comes after going through a lot of struggle. It comes after going through all types of difficulties. But then the proofs begin to come that they're alive. They're, Joy begins to come back. Service to others begins to come back. What God meant to take out of marriage is that being used to encourage other people in a marriage. Right? Proofs that life is there. Things are coming out. And it says, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and he spoke about the kingdom of God. After Jesus rose, he went around and there's other recordings even outside of this that show that he went around and presented himself to witnesses and talked and he shared the gospel and shared what was happening so people would understand. And going on, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father promised. Let's stop right there for one second. Did you hear that? After, the, after he had done this and he was eating. He was eating. Well, that, that's a very simple phrase, right, that he ate with them. It does tell us a couple things, though. It tells us, one, that Jesus still has a body. Did you know that Jesus didn't just come down and die for us and didn't just come down and identify with us temporarily to just kind of let's get it over with? Come down and, and, and just gonna identify with you out of the spiritual realities of heaven and everything else to come down and take on the form and the body of humanity and, and to walk among us and to be here, that he actually still has a body. His identification with you wasn't temporary, it's permanent. It's permanent. He had doubting Thomas feel the scars in his hand and touch his side and the whole. So you know he's still now even in heaven as he goes around in the glory of heaven, he has scars that identify that he loved you enough to take those scars on. He still carries those. He still identifies with you, not only in what he's called you to, not only in the hope that he has for you, but he still identifies with you in the suffering that you've been through, in the things that you've had to process, in the things that you've made mistakes in. You're like, how do I even get rid of that? And I can't even get the scars of my own mistakes out of my mind. And praise God, he didn't take the scars of my mistakes off of his own body. 
Because every time that we look to him, those scars are still there. We can say, do you know what? He still paid for the ones that I still sometimes feel and struggle with in my own mind, in my own heart, in my own regret, in my own emotion. He hasn't stopped identifying with, caring for, and taking those things on for me, even today. It says that all that he, he promised all, and they heard all the things that he spoke about. And it says, John baptized, he's talking about John the Baptist who came before Jesus and he was baptizing people in water. He says, John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the baptism, what it means is immersion. I'm not talking about, you know, should we immerse, should we sprinkle, should we spray with a water bottle? Like, what should we do? I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about just the biblical word means immersion. It means to be fully submerged and gone under. Now, in application here, we're not talking about baptism of water. We're talking about baptism of the Spirit. So think about this. We're not asking that God puts a little bit of his Spirit on us. God, give me a little bit of your Spirit. We're talking about total, complete immersion. When Noah had the ark and God flooded the earth, guess what happened when there was total immersion of the earth in water? Guess what happened to everything that was on the earth? It was destroyed. When the Holy Spirit comes and completely immerses your life, right, all of the old is done away with because the Spirit comes and covers all. And as we spend time with the Lord, the old bitterness, the old anger, the old regret, the old addiction, whatever it might be that held as it's completely covered in the presence of the Lord and walking in the Spirit, and God's Spirit comes and literally submerges us in His ways, that those things are sometimes quickly and sometimes slowly and painfully drowned out of our life if we stay in the presence of the Lord, if we continue to pursue him. Have you ever choked on anything? Got a grape stuck, had something done. Little Maverick last night got taken to the hospital for having a breathing, a little breathing struggle and stuff, which got taken care of. But Kyle texted that, would you pray? He might have breathed in a toy in his sleep. I'm like, what? <laughs> He's laying there breathing and he like sucked down a Ninja Turtle, just <laughs> When you're choking, it's painful, and it's scary. Imagine your old self, your old desires, your old ways submerged in a whole new way. And the suffering that happens to your flesh, to your way of wanting to do things, is real. I don't want to be angry, but that's my old way. And when I go through something that I want to act out in anger, and I'm trying to let it be submerged in God's ways, guess what happens internally? Suffering. It hurts. It hurts to not do the yelling, the screaming, the breaking something. Because I'm going through this process of letting this old way of handling things be submerged and drowned out and die in order that the new way can grow and live in my life. There's a process that happens. So this baptism, this submersion in God's spirit, it's not just like, oh, boom, my, everything in my life's perfect and wonderful and everything's fantastic. It's something that begins a process in us that works God's 
ways in our life. And along the way, it does bring some suffering as things change out and as they're moved out because we stay there. And it says, as we go on, it says, they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, remember, these are people who thought they were following a political savior. Like they thought Jesus was going to free them from the Roman rule and they used to do all these things and this is what's going to happen. And that didn't happen. He, he went to the cross. He died. He rose again now. And so now, oh my gosh, he's back. Now is when we get to get free. Now is when we get to take over and be in charge. So is this the time when all this is going to happen? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will, check this out, receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now, in this context, you're talking about powerless people. They're politically powerless. Many of them are financially powerless because he's got people in total poverty that are following him. They're racially powerless. Many of them are Samaritans or at the very most Jews, both of which were persecuted and they persecuted each other. You're talking about people facing all types of powerlessness externally by society, culture, and just by the world around them. But then there are also many of them facing a powerlessness on the inside because they're still dealing with sin and lust and discouragement, greed, all the things that you deal with internally. And so they have this complete powerlessness both inside and outside, and they're saying, in order to solve some of those things, have you come back to bring your kingdom here so that our external powerlessness can be solved? Because maybe if the external powerlessness was solved, then we would somehow be able to work on our internal powerlessness and be better people. If our environment was better, that would change everything. And they're asking him, is this different? Is, are you here? Are you changing it? Is the change happening now? And his answer to them is, you know what, the external stuff we're not going to talk about. My father knows, and you don't need to know about that. You know, it's kind of like when you have kids, and you're like, okay, we need to deal with this. Well, what about my brother? What about my sister? Well, in a whole other room, I'm having a whole other conversation with them. Right now, we're just talking to you. That's kind of what he's doing. He's like, let's not worry about all that. Right now, let's, we're focused on you. We're going to deal with you. But I wouldn't be like this if they weren't like it. Stop, we're going to deal with you. This is what we're dealing with. And he says, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power for what? Power for what? What's the power supposed to do? We all want a little bit of power. It feels good to have power. But if you continue the verse, it says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's speaking to the poor, the oppressed, the marginalized, the crippled, the sick, and the sinner. The ones who can't figure out how to measure up and do what God's asked them to do. Live the way that God wants them to live. These are the powerless people he's talking to. And he's telling them that you will receive power. Power for what? Power to overcome these things. Not political power because he already put that to the side. But he's saying you will receive power, power to overcome, and in the overcoming of these things, as, as I make a new person inside, you begin to overcome the hurt, you overcome the bitterness, the offense, the crazy that you've got going on in your own mind and in your own heart. As these things you overcome, 
that you will become my witnesses, witnesses to the work that I do in people, that I do in your heart. I'm a witness now to the fact that God can take you out of addiction because he brought me out of addiction. I'm a witness now to the fact that God can take you out of selfishness and social anxiety and fears because I used to hide in my closet and I used to have all these selfishnesses and it was all about me all the time no matter what. And I'm a witness now that God can change that. Why? Because I was powerless. I didn't know how to get free from that. I struggled and tried. And since I couldn't get free from the war in my mind all the time, I just turned to addiction. I started getting into alcohol and everything else because that helped me to calm that down and take a break. But through the work of the cross and the Holy Spirit coming in and helping me to change from the inside out. Now I'm a witness, not a witness to my great plan. I don't have a 10-step plan on, hey, this is how you do it. I went to the feet of Jesus and I said, I need help. I need help. That wasn't then because he who began a good work is still, he's still working it. He's still changing it. He's still making me different. There's still times that I would prefer not to come to church. You're not the only one that thought about that this morning. I've thought about it. I'm a person. I've just surrendered my life to Jesus. And I made a a commitment 20 years ago. Not just to Jesus, but I said, Lord... Whatever you ask me, I'm just going to say yes. Here I am. I go to church growth seminars and things and how to grow churches and how to do all this stuff and I pray and I write stuff out. And you know, a lot of my prayers are just like, Lord, I don't know how to grow because I have no idea how I got here. I could tell you on paper. But paper is what you can see what goes on in here over the years and what God's had to do and change. I have no idea how that happened. I don't know how I can sit across the table with somebody that's going through stuff that I used to be buried in, locked in, bound in, and be talking to them and say, man, God can set you free. And I watch over the course of a year or two years or three years, God sets them free and their life changes. The next thing you know, they're helping people. I'm like, God, how do you do that? That's amazing. Because it's not me. It's not self-help. I don't know how it happened. I know that along the way I tried and I pressed into God and I read my Bible and I prayed and I know a lot of times I hit a wall and I didn't know how to go any farther and I'm just like, I'm stuck. And then God would say, just do this next. Okay. Do you know when I first went totally bald? Do you know when that was? Tell you a story behind that. I was born that way, but I told a kid this morning, I said, I'm actually getting younger. My head's going back to my birth look. My body's getting older, my head's getting younger. It's really weird, Um, but it's happening. No, but this is what happened, because I just had thinning hair, and I was one of those proud guys that was going to carry it on forever, just keep combing it over, and then back over. If I did enough times, i get thick enough. That was my plan, right? And I had extreme extreme social anxieties and fears, extreme, crippling. And I used to go to church and I would just stand in the back. 
anything we went to, any function anywhere, I'd go clear to the back and I'd just stand in the back wall. Talk to nobody. I didn't even talk to myself. Total silence, just sat back there. And then every once in a while I'd go to the bathroom and get a drink. Because nobody can talk to you while you're taking a drink. At least most people. There are some obnoxious, super extroverts that will talk to you while you get a drink. And even worse ones in the men's room that will talk to you while you go to the bathroom. Hopefully you ladies don't have that problem. Guys will talk to you anytime, anywhere. They don't care. But there I am. And I felt one time praying. I have no idea. The Holy Spirit just started speaking to me. Shave your head. And I was only 22 maybe. Shave your head. Like why would I shave my head? Shave your head. I just kept feeling it. Shave your head, shave your head, shave your head. Okay. I went in, got a razor, shaved my head. Of course, my wife loved it. 22, I'm just like, <laughs> She doesn't use those kind of words anymore, praise God, that she used when she saw me start shaving my head. But I go to the next church event. I still have no idea what's going on. I stand in the back, bald, mean-looking, because when you're always upset and anxious and agitated, you just look mean, right? I'm just standing back here just looking mean. And it starts to dawn on me that everybody here is going to think that I'm like a skinhead or something or some really mean guy. Because look at me, I'm bald and I'm by myself and I'm against the wall and I'm mean looking. Well, my social anxiety was always worried about what people were going to think about me, which is why I stayed away from everybody and hid. But now standing away from everybody and hiding with my bald head and my mean face, I'm thinking, they all think I'm a really bad guy. I better get out in the middle and talk to some people and let them know I'm not really like that. And the next thing you know, I'm literally standing in the middle of this room at church, shaking people's hands and talking to them and overly smiling, trying to let them know, hey, this isn't me. I'm not really like that. And people started being nice to me. And I started making a couple of friends. And as I'm in the middle of doing that, it's like the Holy Spirit's like, See? See? I got you. I got you. I'm going to move forward. I can't put that in a how-to book. I'm not going to meet with a guy that just came to the Lord and he's got some anxieties or some anger or some things going on and saying, okay, first thing we need to do is shave your head. Okay, this is how it works. Discipleship in modern-day church culture has been oftentimes boiled down to such a, just a paper science. If you went through 101, 102, 103, 104, boom, you're it, you're done. You get the sticker, you're a great Christian. But real discipleship as worked by the Holy Spirit in our lives is so much more complicated and strange and unique because the people that God is working in to change are so much more complicated, strange, and unique. We're all different. And yet God's working us towards the same place, to love others, to care for others, to walk in his ways, to do this. And if you have totally different people and personalities, and God's trying to get them all down this way, you got to find different ways of helping them to get there. And the Holy Spirit works in us to do that. He gives us power to overcome by speaking to us and working in our lives. Power, dunamis, is the word. And it means properly, it means the ability to perform for the believer, it's the power to achieve by applying the Lord's inherent abilities, power through God's ability. 
In other words, whatever it is God's putting on your heart to move closer towards him and to be more like him, God's desire is not to just tell you to do it. His desire is to come alongside of you and to give you his ability and to help you do it. But will you take it? Do you want it? Are you willing? I push a stroller with Kira. We got the stroller and we push it. And she doesn't like to ride in it, but she likes to bring either a stuffed dog or a baby or a little weird unicorn, strange half dog, donkey, unicorn, rainbow thing with big eyes that she puts in there. And she pushes it. The problem is it's a full-size stroller, and she's not a full-size person. So she gets behind it, and she can't get the handles. So this started like probably two, three months ago. And she reaches up, and she gets her tips of her fingers on the handles, and she tries to push it. But she can't see because the stroller's in front of her. And she doesn't like sidewalks. So we walk in the street with a kid who can't see anything, has her fingers on, and she's pushing a stroller, and cars are coming by. And when I reach down to try to push with her, Guess what she does? Yeah. Pushes my hands off, shoves me away. I got this. I got it. I've seen how you do it. I can do it now. God, I've seen how you do it. Watch out. I can handle it. I got it. And so I've devised little ways of trying to stand back, put finger on the edge of the little handles, and just walk behind her and just kind of push it so that we don't get ran over by a car as we're going down the street like, ah. Some of you, God has to do that. Some of you, God's like got weird ways connecting to things, trying to help you along, but you're just like, if he even like really shows himself in your life in any real way, you're just like, oh, God, I've got it. Watch out. I don't need anybody to help me. But God wants to help us through his spirit and also through other people he puts in your life who have his spirit to connect with you and to help you along to do it well. But that's part of how he helps us to overcome. So what does he give us this ability for? For speaking in tongues. Some of you know about that. Some of you don't. Prophecy. Knowledge. Miraculous faith. All these supernatural things. Is that what he gives it for? Well, that's some of it. Yeah. That's part of it. God does that. God works in us that way. But let's look at 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, right? The Holy Spirit's come and he's working in people and people are experiencing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They're prophesying over each other. They're doing miracles and seeing sick people be set free. They're seeing uh, people have, you know, demonic oppressions lifted and casted off of them. They're, people are speaking in tongues. All these things are going on. And now in the midst of all of this, the Holy Spirit's at work and things are happening and everything's going. Now Paul writes this other letter and he says, hey, if I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but I do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, hey, all of this stuff that you got going on right now, if you're not really loving each other, it's just noise. That's all it is. It's just noise. So all of those other things happen, but all those other things are not the root. They're not the foundation. They're not what God is actually after. Love is what he's after. Well, how did you end up back on love? I don't know. We're not on a love series. 
But no matter where you go in the series, you end up back in love because God is what? God is love. You can't get away from it. You should preach something different. People will be bored. They'll leave. They'll stop coming. You always talk about the same thing. You can't. It's God. It's who he is. And every single application of his word comes back to this point because God so loved the world that he gave his only son. We're only here because of his love. And any other message that doesn't have this at its core context, it becomes twisted. The Pharisees had that. All the rules, all the laws, but no love. And it became twisted, and it became something to hold people down and bind them and do what? Make them more powerless because they could never live up to all those things. It doesn't mean there's not right and wrong. It doesn't mean that we can't speak into people's lives if we see something that's going off, that God's word isn't true, and that there isn't a, a call in our lives to follow truth and to live holy lives. That's not the point of it because real love, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands. So love has that in it, but the heart and the passion of it is for the person, not just for their actions. It says, if I have the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all the mysteries and all the knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. Pretty strong statement. If I give all I possess to the poor, and I give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. All the things that he's talked about here are external. Remember, the people wanted an external savior. They wanted to come back and have his kingdom come. And you finally hear, you're going to restore the king. That was all external. And he said, no, I'm going to work something internal. The Holy Spirit's coming. He's going to bring power. And now they received the Holy Spirit, and it appears that what a lot of them did is took the Holy Spirit and then immediately went back out to external. We'll do all of these things. And now Paul has to write again and say, you know what, you can do all these things, even the spiritual ones, and work on the external, but something's got to happen in the heart. Still calling you to actually love, to actually care, to actually want to connect, to actually want to bear each other's burdens, to walk this out. Ephesians 3, 14 says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being the holy spirit wants to do work inside first that's where he wants to do it sometimes we get so fast at okay i'm starting to understand a little bit of the christian thing and what god wants me to do and how to help people so good let's go and god's like hold up i'm still working in you still working in you is there somebody you still have offense with? Is there somebody that you still won't talk to? Is there, somebody, is there some area that you still are holding on to that you haven't given to me? That you haven't released or let go of? Is there still something going on there? Well, yeah, but we'll get back to that later. No, let's get this right. My spirit's come to work inside of you. In the inner being, inside. You know, if you have a vacuum, you know, a vacuum's made to function a certain way. Right? The, all the mechanisms are there. But what do you need in order for it to actually work? Where do you need the power? Around it? Next to it? Top of it? Below it? Where do you need it? In it. 
If the power doesn't get in it, all the mechanisms can be there and it's not going to do any good. All right, similar to this message about having God around our marriage, but not in, right? There's an in. Lord, I don't want to just be at church in your presence. I want your presence in me so that when I leave here, it's still going on. When I go home, it's still going on. When I'm with people, it's still going on. Lord, I want you to take over my own heart, my own life. So, so that Christ may check this out, dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with Lord's holy people. So there's still that call to live God's way, to grasp how wide, long, high, and deep is the love of Christ and to know that his love that surpasses knowledge that you may be Filled, again, we're talking about in, filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. That God wants to do work in us, all the way, filled, full, complete. Sometimes we live with airtight compartments. It's like I've let God in every area, but there's one. But don't worry about it, it's all airtight. It'll never get out and bother anybody. Well, that's great. That's fantastic. Your ugly little area back there that's airtight will never get out and bother me. I appreciate that. But sometimes it's so airtight that we don't let God get in there to clean it up and bring healing and restoration and freedom. It's too airtight. It's locked away from everything. God wants everything open so he can come in and fill himself. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work, check this out, within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. God wants to be at work in your entire life. All the areas. All. What area of your life have you not really quite released? not really quite let go. God wants to take that. He wants to fill you with the Spirit and let you stop wrestling with that same area and coming back to it over and over again. He wants to bring power into your powerlessness. I've tried to get that one right and I don't know how to fix it. I don't know how to change it, so I've just moved on. God wants to bring power into that area that's been powerless, bring real freedom where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. Amen, let's bow our heads. Father, I just pray right now for every person that's here, God, as they, Lord, just hear your word, God. You said faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I pray that faith would stir in their heart, Lord. Faith to receive. Lord, faith, God, to open up every area of their life, every area of their mind, Lord, even if it's one that they've given up on, Lord. I pray, God, that they'd be able to open it up, Lord, that you who began a good work in them will be faithful to complete it. Lord, that you would do this, God. Let no one keep anything separate from you. Lord, no one keep anything too far, Lord for you to be able to reach in and help out, Lord. Allow them to open up, God, if it's their marriage, if it's, Lord, their addiction, Lord, if it's, God,
God, their anger, if it's a bitterness, Father, if it's insecurities, Lord, or woundedness. Father, whatever it might be, God, I ask, Lord, that you would just bring faith into their heart, Lord, to open up and allow you to fill your spirit, Lord, even into those places, Lord, and to drown out the old and bring the new to life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, thanks for being here. I love you guys. Have a great day. And over across the thing, we're going to have uh, some snacks and food. Stick around, make some friends, get to know people. And uh, it's always available if you jump online and you guys want to message us uh, or grab one of us to set up a time to get together if you want to talk through some things going on in your life and pray together. Amen. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.